Batman. May I have your attention, please? The show starts in ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, electricity here in Colombia, well, it's been buzzing loudly all weekend. Passion of the crowd in Williams Price Stadium is second to nine. And the rain breaks out in Colombia. It is good! Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! Can you believe it? The have won this game! Here are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert. Oh, watch him celebrate now! Phil Molinax. My wife doesn't like hanging around losing. And Jamie Bradford. I'm going to tell him, you look like you joined Doug Davis, Alright, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Signorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics and built by the Barndo Company, the Barndominiumco.com. They say welcome home just like Carolina does and you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot if you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, the barndominiumco.com. You won't believe your eyes, I assure you. That's why they've been named one of the nation's best builders. Gamecock owned and operated the barndominiumco.com. John Whittle's ahead in about 15 minutes. JC, Phil, and myself, JB, here until 1 o'clock this afternoon. We all know what's on the agenda. Carolina swept this weekend up in Lexington. To balance that out, though, really good weekend for Gamecock football from a transfer portal perspective. Information forthcoming. JC will update us on that here in just a couple of minutes. In addition, both softball and baseball are expected to be in the postseason this year, so we'll get into some of that. And, of course, the chat box is full of questions, comments, concerns, and much, much more, especially after you watch your boys go up the road and pretty much have it handed to them over 27 innings. With all that said, Phil, hope you had a wonderful weekend. Good to see you, my man. JC, well, I know you had a good weekend, so it's good to see you as well. What's up? It's a bad <laughs> weekend. It was a bad weekend. <laughs> it's a bad weekend. No, uh, yeah, well, I actually did have a nice birthday lunch over at Nat's uh, parents' house. Uh, when Thai people decide they want to cook, they can cook. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that right now. <laughs> it was good. Um, but uh, a very nice meal there. But uh, uh, the Gamecocks series was sad. I mean, that, that's the best way to describe, to, to describe it. It's sad. Um, I, I don't, you know, and it's sad in a number of ways because I, I kind of feel like they're, they're playing that whole series of one hand tied behind their back. Uh, and, and everything affects everything else. Um, I 
I would like for the starting pitching to uh, the starting pitchers to kind of get it together. Um, but you know, like, like you and I were talking yesterday, JB, and, and a lot of people also were talking about it, you know, that Cole Messina not catching can affect that because he's their normal catcher and there's nothing against Jonathan French, but you know, pitching pitchers are like racehorses. And I'm going to get to that in a second too. They're, they're, they're sort of delicate, you know, and, and the least little thing can cause, uh, you know, them to be off. Uh, I felt the strike zone sucked all weekend by the umps, by the way. Uh, I'm not going to blame the umps for Carolina getting their brains beat in, but uh, uh, I think it's been inconsistent and bad all year for the most part. Uh, probably league-wide, you probably ask people that. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But, uh, uh, but you know, th- th- this team is not the same team. Uh, it was. Uh, the lineup is depleted. Uh, Kentucky had to have the series. They played very well, and and they didn't. They were relentless. And when you run into a team like that, and you're sputtering, and you're off, that can happen. And that was bad. So the Kentucky Derby was also disappointing. Uh, you know, it's hard for me to sit there and watch uh, the race and enjoy it because you know one of the great things about the Derby is there's that build up to it. You know, you sit around, you have some mint juleps. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have any mint juleps, but you have some mint juleps. You wear a funny, pretty hat if you're a girl. You wear a bow tie or seersucker pants if you're a guy. Uh, and you sit there and watch the races, and, you, and, and there's that buildup and anticipation. And it was just hard to do when six horses died. Uh, I mean, yeah, I know it's nobody's yeah. fault. It's, I mean, some people are trying to stir it up and make it into like a scandal or something. Maybe it is. but I. So that was disappointing because I was like, I don't. I don't even want to watch it. You know, I was like, by the time I got there, then two Phil's did finish second. How about yeah, that, Phil? I know. So that was, was good. Yeah. It was, it was but um, so that sucked, man. So yeah, just a bad weekend. I um, yesterday was about eighty-five degrees and sunny, so I went outside on the porch and did some grilling and tanned the ham. And I actually listened. I changed it up. I listened to Derek and Tommy the stream from one hundred the one hundred seven five app instead of. Uh, uh, stand-up comedian Tom Hart and Kyle Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. By the way, Tom Hart is—he's funny. I'm not—I'm not knocking the guy. Uh, he had like first three innings. He had like you know two or three zingers that were hilarious. But um, he, something he said that Kyle was as lost as Katy Perry at a coronation. <laughs> I mean, pretty good stuff from old Tom Hart. But uh, I switched it up about the third inning. I'm like, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna listen to Derek and Tommy, you know, because I'm, I'm gonna take Bradford's advice and do this and uh just wonderful sitting out there listening to it except for the game itself <laughs> it just seemed like i mean you know you know carolina holds them down for you know to five for a while and then oh my god eli jersenbeck gets hurt you know yeah and so and i don't i don't know how many more injuries this team can take uh right now um i think it's a critical moment i, I think that uh you know, we'll, well get into I, I mean, that. you you bring yeah, out the we'll, Jersenbeck thing, and and when Whittle gets on, I'm going to ask him about it because, look, I, I I honestly thought if Eli came in there and did a good job yesterday, he's probably going to find himself in the rotation next weekend. Yeah, uh, because they they've got to you can't you can't walk twelve guys, you can't have three Friday um, three weekend starters only getting to the fourth and fifth inning. Like you just can't have that. You got to have you got to be able to get. 17, 18, 19 innings out of your starters every weekend. And and right now they're getting about 12, and you can't have that. So 
Jerzenbeck, it's time. He's not really a freshman anymore. He's thrown almost 40 innings this year. He's ready to go. And he's got the stuff. Um, so I thought, well, hey, look, if he comes in and does a good job today, he's going to more than likely earn his spot in the rotation next weekend. On the road in Arkansas, it's a tough place to, to kind of get your get your feet wet in the SEC. But nonetheless, you, you at some point in time, you just can't keep doing the same thing over and over because it's not working. And, um, you know, we'll wait and see. But it certainly when that when a pitcher grabs an elbow and a forearm, that generally doesn't lead to good news. Good Lord. Yeah. No, and, yeah. Uh, and Eli, I, I have thought for a while he has the stuff to eventually be a starter. I think he's he's got some nastiness uh, to him and, and, and all that. But uh, anyway, uh, football recruiting wise, which is why you guys turned on my mic. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't for my brilliant horse racing or baseball analysis. But, you know, by the way, I guess I guess Kentucky didn't run out of runs this weekend. Right. Yeah, no, geez, <laughs> 14 no. and then nine. Well, but, they've uh, been stockpiling them. <laughs> they've been stockpiling their runs <laughs> for the series. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, Logan Diggs, the Notre Dame running back, was on campus visiting. Uh, it went about as well as you could possibly want it to go. Mm-hmm. And the feedback I've gotten from South Carolina is exceptionally positive. There's some confidence they're going to get him. Um, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to pull this. Oh, believe it when I see it because uh, I've done that before with this staff, and they've proven me very wrong. Um, but I, I am going to say, beware. You know, Louisiana kid, LSU, Brian Kelly. You know the story there. I mean, you know kind of what they're up against um, with that, but. Right now, I think they've turned they've turned him uh, this way, and uh, we'll see how it goes from there. So I, I think uh, I think if they got him, it's a game changer because he is a very very good high level SEC type running back. Mm-hmm. He's big, <laughs> he's fast, <laughs> he can catch out the backfield, he can pass block. Uh, he's the complete package, as we all saw uh, when Notre Dame played South Carolina in the Gator Bowl. I mean, he he hurt the Gamecocks arguably more than any other player outside of Tyler Buckner on that offense. So um, I can't say enough about how big that would be. Uh, and, and it's not that I don't have faith in Juju and the carry-on joiner and Mario Anderson. Uh, I, I think Carolina will be fine if they don't get dicks, right? Uh, I think they do need somebody for depth purposes. But this guy is just kind of it's it's almost like I mean yeah he's he's probably better than those guys uh, and and that's nothing against them he's just you know that's kind of how it goes and so oh, wow I mean you're talking about a guy that can really come in and 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 give the Gamecock offense that you know power slash speed back that uh, a lot of teams uh, enjoy the services of. So uh, fired up about it, uh, you know. If, if if you're a Gamecock fan, be fired up. So uh, it's uh, it's um, uh, it's still exciting times when it comes to football recruiting. So yeah, could it be said that this is this would be one of the the more major victories for this you know seasoned recruiting team under Coach Beamer, just because of what you're up against, familiarity with Brian Kelly, who recruited him to Notre Dame. He's a Louisiana kid. I know you touched on some of that, but 
I mean, we've seen them win some impressive battles in recruiting, but I think this one would rank right up there near the top. This would be up there with Nick Harbor, and yeah. and it's also if you win this one, man, it's it's like this is an SEC recruiting powerhouse you're going up against. I mean, uh, it is hard to beat Oregon on kids, especially when you're going up with with the track factor with Nick Harbor. But it's not like Carolina was going head-to-head against Alabama on an out-of-state kid and and winning. And LSU on a player from their state, you know, from New Orleans, beating them on a guy like that would be – it's unprecedented. I I can't remember. There was one kid named Jared Mitchell, South Carolina, you know, under Spurrier went down to the wire and he, he never panned out at LSU. He's a baseball and a football player and, and Tanner helped recruit him, uh, helped the football program out because he was going to come play both sports and baseball was huge at the time uh, in his decision. And the Gamecocks almost got him, but at the end of the day, LSU baseball is pretty snazzy themselves. Right. Uh, and so he stayed home. That's the only time I can remember anything like that. I mean, even Travis Etienne, who Clemson got out of Louisiana, LSU screwed the pooch with him because they got in on him late. Uh, and I think there was some <laughs> Coach O just kind of thought, well, we'll get him. <laughs> and then they didn't. Uh, and so I think, uh, you know, this would be very unprecedented um, in terms of just how these things go in recruiting most of the time. So, well, I just I'm I'm beside myself that not that I don't have faith in these guys, but just kind of the it's not really anything to do with Carolina. It's going to Louisiana and getting a kid from away from LSU. I mean, very few who's done that over the years. Even when LSU was down, Florida State got kids got work done. Uh, Miami Clemson, got a kid. got ETN, but yeah, not, got but not many. You're talking back about in one the, hand. Yeah, on one back hand. in the day, Miami got oh one of their uh, defensive backs from, it was from new Orleans, but yeah. rare. I mean, Peyton Manning obviously left and went to Tennessee, but the Mannings are kind of a different category. So, well, and he's, wow. a, you know, he got hot down the stretch too. You're talking about his last seven games at Notre Dame. He ran for about 600 and so yards. Mm-hmm. So you do the math, you know, and you can figure out quickly that he had kind of become their guy. And if you actually go look at his stats, I know a couple of those games he was at 20 or more carries, I think, at the beginning of that stretch. But outside of that, it was 17, 13, 15, 12, 17 carries or whatever it was. So they were they were using him and others. And, of course, we saw him up close and personal against South Carolina. But he had really begun to kind of hit his stride in college football. He, he, had, he figured it out. And, I mean, um, yeah. and he's, he's, he's primed and ready to go. And to your point just a minute ago, J.C., it's like – now that um, you know, there's a personal side a little bit because we've we've had we've got a chance to spend some time with the Gamecock running backs, and they're great kids. And gosh, I wish all of them could run out and go for a thousand yards this year, but that's that's just not possible. At the same time, when you worry or you talk about a football program and you talk about a football program in the SEC, I mean, and I don't mean disrespect to any of these dudes at all. You know, Juju is not an every down guy in the SEC. He knows that. Mario Anderson yeah. just transferred in from Newberry. Okay, he he's he's a guy. It's going to take some time to get acquainted and accustomed to big time college football. Der, to carry on, Joiner just transitioned over to being a running back. Okay, so you've got those things, and you're going to have Braswell in there. He's never played a snap of college football. So, 
you'll largely have pretty much probably the most inexperienced running back room in the league and more than likely one of the most inexperienced running back rooms in the country in addition to the fact that one guy goes down. Let's say Joyner gets banged up in game one. Now what are you left with? So you, yeah. have, you have to sign guys in your football program. The kids in that in that position group, they know that. There's no doubt. And yeah, and I don't think I don't think to carry on or Juju or Mario will do anything but welcome this guy with open arms. Absolutely. I mean, and and running backs mentalities nowadays, guys, the, the position has changed through the years in terms of, of value and stuff. And most schools, most programs in college, especially the days of having the thirty carry guy are, are you know, basically it's oh, rare. Gone. Yeah, and, and 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 running backs themselves appreciate that. You know, they all they all want the football. Don't get me wrong, but it's such a taxing position on your body. It's nice to you know go have fifteen from this guy, ten from this guy, seven from this guy, and you know and be able to move the ball and, and stuff. I think I think the mentality there has changed where you know there, there's not a lot of ball hogs, I guess, when it comes to uh, uh, running backs. But uh, yeah, oh, this kid. All right, so. The Gator Bowl was one thing. Uh, Clemson, they got a big taste of, of Logan Diggs last year, too. 17 carries for 114 yards against the Tigers, an average mm-hmm. of 6.7 yards per carry. And say what you want about the Clemson defense, not easy to run against those guys. So right. Right. this is a this is a big-time dude uh, if it ends up working out. Couldn't have gone better this weekend, JC. As you mentioned, we got to hit a uh, timeout. There were others on campus this weekend, though, in addition to a couple of defensive ends. One of them you know, one of them you don't. Uh, We'll make sure that you get an update on that uh, coming up here in just a little bit as well. But first, when we turn the page, John Whittle will join us following South Carolina's sweep at the hands of the Kentucky Wildcats up in Lexington. Hang tight inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Company. We'll be right back. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The real estate market has changed dramatically from just a year ago. Rates, supply, demand, 
all of your traditional factors are in a transition phase. That's why if you or someone you know are considering making a move in the low country, contact me, JB, at Coast to Coast Realty. I work with an outstanding support cast of attorneys, lenders, inspectors, insurance agents, and more, all of whom are valuable in helping find a way for you to comfortably make your real estate decision. That's right. Call me, JB, your low country real estate broadcaster. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. Traveling to cheer on the Gamecocks? Reserve your hotel stay with Fan Plans. Your booking supports inside the Gamecocks and the Big Spur, plus you still earn your hotel loyalty points. Visit fanplans.com slash inside the Gamecocks. What's up, Gamecock Nation? This is Ja'Kai Moore from the DMV, and you are listening to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia, 803-446-4662 is how to get in touch with John Barber and his team to talk about potentially turning your backyard into an outdoor retreat. And of course, the first hour of the show is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss and the Coldwell Banker Kane Realty Team here in the upstate, 864-414-5271 is how to get in touch with Cindy for all of your upstate residential real estate needs. And we're joined now, as we always are on Mondays, by John Whittle on the McKellar Enterprises guest line. John, another disappointing weekend series, to say the least. Uh, Injuries, do you think, are catching up with this team? And, you know, is there any other explanation for it other than, like Mark Kingston said, sometimes this game humbles you? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think certainly uh, injuries are playing the biggest role in in this Um, Starting starting pitching staff particularly, but the pitching staff in general just hadn't been good enough the last two weeks. But you know, Kentucky's been been really good at home this year. They're twenty two and four at home. Uh, they've lost one SEC series at home. That was to to Texas A and M, which which uh, both of the losses were really close. Um, you know, Kentucky plays a, a style of baseball that you know is 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 tough to deal with. It stresses a team defensively, and you know, South Carolina wasn't a great defensive team when everybody was healthy. And, you know, you, you play your third or fourth best uh, third baseman, you play your third best catcher and you have two other starters out. And, and, you know, that's kind of what happens. It, it all kind of came together in, in, in one really, really poor way this past weekend. Well, you know, John, you know, let's, let's start with, with uh, there's a lot of negative right now. So let's start. Let's let's flip over to some positive real quick. Let's look around the league. Kentucky sweeps third ranked South Carolina at home this weekend, as you just pointed out. Bama fires their coach, and then turns around and takes two of three from fifth ranked Van, uh, Vanderbilt this weekend. Georgia takes two of three at home against the 18th ranked Vols, who everybody thought, well, you know, let's just go ahead and crown them World Series champions because they're hot all of a sudden. And then they walked into Athens and they leave with a couple of losses. A and M 
takes care of Florida, two of three at home this weekend. And Auburn takes down top-ranked LSU, beat them by 10 runs yesterday, as a matter of fact, and they took two of three. We mentioned on Friday this had a chance to be a weekend that could really strengthen some resumes in the SEC for teams looking to get into the postseason and teams for looking to maybe improve postseason positioning. And that really is exactly what it kind of turned out to be. So it wasn't just South Carolina hitting the road this weekend. It ha- it, it happened to everybody. On top of that, the Gamecocks slipped to sixth in the polls. So, John, like while they are in a little bit of a rut, people know why. You know, they're like you just pointed out, the, the injuries and this, that, and the other. There is still plenty of time for them to get things on track, and, and Mark Kingston gave a decently encouraging injury update, as a matter of fact, yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I mean, I think the only thing that South Carolina lost this weekend was the potential to win an SEC championship or or win the SEC East being being uh, after being swept and being, you know, an extra game behind Vanderbilt with six games left, uh, two and a half games back. I I don't see South Carolina being able to overtake Vanderbilt for the for the East or, you know, Vandy and LSU to, to win the championship. But, you know, top eight is still. Still very much uh, in, in play uh, to, to host a super regional, so you know that's <laughs> if 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 you told any South Carolina fan they'd be in this position at, at this time of the year at this juncture, right. I think they'd assigned for that before the beginning of the season. Now the way they've played the last two weekends uh, <laughs> hadn't been good, but they'll they'll start to get a couple of guys back this weekend. Now Kingston said after the game on, on Sunday that he anticipates all three injured infielders being able to play next weekend. And, you know, maybe they'll be able to play. But I'd be shocked if Braylon Wimmer is starting at shortstop, for example. Mm-hmm. I, I do think Talmadge McCoy will be able to get back in there at third base, and that will be able to uh, to move Cole Messina back behind the plate. Um, and that that's that's a big deal in and of itself is is to have – have uh, your starting third baseman back and your your starting starting catcher back, and you know not only that. I mean, you replace a a guy who's hitting about two twenty with a guy who's hitting about three twenty. So um, it's it's just very impactful all, all the way around. And, and that alone, even if you don't have Will McGillis clicking on all cylinders just yet from being hurt, even if you don't have Braylon Wimmer back playing shortstop yet, that that changes the game a little bit for you. Just having just having Talmadge back. Little uh, for, yeah, go ahead. For, first of all, where are you? It's very nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I almost had to look outside on my back porch to see if I needed to let him in. It looks so familiar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I was, I was, I'm out on my porch back there. I, I was obviously out of town for the weekend, and uh, um, my dogs decided to use my office as as, uh, as, as their dumping ground. Oh no! <laughs> so to speak, oh, so you got to get in there and clean that after the uh, after 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 this this show of picks. Um, yeah, I, did, I didn't know if you had done uh, last night. Didn't didn't do me any favors. Who was in know, charge uh, of the dogs yeah, this weekend? <laughs> well, my, my my I have a family member who's in charge of them, but they come and go as they please outside and inside. Uh, they they got a little dog door where they can go outside, but sometimes they just choose to not go outside when I'm not around. <laughs> Elect. Yeah, they they get mad and miss you, Riddle. Sometimes when, yeah. when we're gone, for, we were gone last week. He went and took a dump downstairs just because uh, he's mad because <laughs> he he misses us. I didn't know. I didn't know if um, I know that you like to go kind of East Tennessee when you're trying to unplug your or relax a little bit. So I didn't know if maybe you had stopped off somewhere because that's a 
It's a beautiful scene back there. That's, that's a nice backyard, heck of a backyard. So anyway, um, so McGillis could be back this week. Uh, am, I, am I listening when you said all three infielders? That, that's what he said, Wimmer, LaCroix, and McGillis were talking? Correct, correct. And, he, and, and with you know, McGillis, it's probably going to take him a little bit of time. Like the hamstring guys, LaCroix, Wimmer, they can go out there and take some BP and, and that kind of thing. Uh, with McGillis, with his broken arm, like he's it's going to take him a little bit to to kind of get back into it. I, I feel like so. I don't know exactly how they're going to handle him in terms of getting him back in the lineup uh, and and how quickly he'll adjust. But you know, when Lacroix is back, when Wimmer's back, they should be able to go back in pretty seamlessly. Uh, McGillis may take a little bit more time. How about Eli Jerzen back? That was when, when that happened yesterday. I was I texted Bradford. I was like. Is this team cursed? I was like, my goodness. Uh, so any any updates on Eli? Uh, I thought he was pitching really well. I mean, uh, Kentucky seemed to have a little bit of, of an issue with him. Uh, and then all of a sudden, here he's, here comes the trainer, and, and he's out. So so what's what's the update on, on him? Yeah, uh, no no official update yet. I I would be surprised if, if he uh, isn't out for the season with an elbow injury. Um, I've been surprised before. Uh, so I, I'm not going to say that's absolutely true, but I, I I feel like that's that's what's going on. John, I it, it, to, to pile on top of that, I'm, I totally agree. It's very rare that you see something like that and where it's oh just discomfort. It's, there's a problem. Um, to add, to add insult to injury, w- they're, they're having some issues clearly in this in the rotation. Um, nobody's getting past the fifth inning. They're walking too many guys. It's just it, it, it's a tough stretch. And I kind of when Jerzenbeck came in, just watching him pitch, um, kind of seemed to me like you know if he has a nice outing today and settles things down, he he might be a guy who earns a spot in the rotation moving forward. Although it'd be tough to go to Arkansas and get your first SEC start, but it, the, it, nonetheless, he would have earned it. He just seemed like a dude that would kind of be teed up for that, and then and then that happens. Um, so that's obviously not going to happen now. <clears throat> what do you, what do you make of what's going on right now in the rotation? That that was the one thing I think we all knew that they could hang their hats on. Obviously, Hall's injury contributed to this, but Sanders, Mahoney, Becker, what's what's going on? What are you seeing? It's a great question. They haven't they haven't been pitching well enough to state the obvious. Um, you know, so but they've they've had their two worst weekends in a row after having their best weekend in, uh, of the season. I mean, the Florida weekend was their best weekend, and you know, Florida came into into that weekend, you know, top ten nationally in home runs, doubles, runs scored, slugging percentage, all of these things, and, and South Carolina dominated those guys and. You know, these last two weeks haven't been good. And, um, I mean, I, I do feel like uh, having a change at catcher has, has, has hurt those guys. Um, some of the defensive guys being out has hurt those guys. Like, I, I went into a long post on Saturday after the game detailing, like, things that could have changed. It's just having a couple of guys defensively, what that does for, for the pitching staff. Like, Jack Mahoney should have been out of that second inning where he gave up two runs in on 47 pitches in that second inning, he should have not given up any runs and also um, had 22 fewer pitches. 
I mean, that changes his outing completely just based on on defensive plays that normally are made by guys. So uh, they're the pitching staff is not performing well enough. And that's, that's in general, that's, that's relievers too. That's not just starters. I mean, mm-hmm. there wasn't a reliever who pitched well this weekend, apart from, from maybe Austin Williamson or maybe, maybe Wesley sweat, but the rest of those guys weren't, weren't any good either. So uh, it's, is is kind of is is it's a little bit of everything with those guys and and um you know Sanders hasn't been great uh throughout the course of the year uh, Mahoney's role has changed with Noah Hall going down like when he wasn't able to go through the lineup a third time on Sunday it wasn't a big deal cuz South Carolina's biggest strength is his bullpen right and you know they're able to take him out at that third time through the order turn it over to the bullpen. And, you know, now that he's having to go on Saturday and trying to get a little bit more depth, especially after Will Sanders hasn't hasn't really gone deep very, very often, and they're having to use their bullpen on Friday, Mahoney turning around on Saturday um, and not having that 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 group behind him uh, just it, it hasn't it hasn't been beneficial for him. So, you know, I, I do feel like they're maybe some opportunity to make some changes. I don't know that it happens this week, um, but, but there, it, it may come a point where you have to look at doing something a little bit different. There's, there's a lot to unpack in this conversation. You just said something a second ago, and JC texted me yesterday asking me this question. And I said, I, I totally agree with what you just said. I said, absolutely. The catcher position, uh, there were some people even on our program the other day, like, literally stating that start French behind the plate. He's better. And I'm like, "Mm." I don't think you understand anything when it comes to handling a pitching staff. Um, You know, Cole Messina has grown into any, I wouldn't call him any elite catcher, John, but he has grown into the guy that they trust the most. That's for sure. And, um, and I have, I'm with you. I've seen some of that. I'm not sure how much, they're trusting their stuff at times. No offense to Jonathan French, but I'm not sure they're trusting their stuff as much as when Cole Messina is is back there behind the plate. Um, in addition, you know, I just wonder if they were to make a change. I, I wonder what it would be. We've seen Eli get a spot Friday night start. You know, do you think taking Will Sanders out of Fridays instead of throwing him against somebody's ace, throwing him against their two guy, would that be something that would help him a little bit, be a little bit more beneficial? I'm just trying to wrap my brain around it here. Right. And, you know, that's that's good question and a great point about about Messina. I mean, I he's he's become really good defensively. Uh, I, I mean, I one one of my things to do that there that I want to do this week is to go through and and look at the catcher position across the SEC. I, I feel like he's probably in the mix to be an All SEC catcher this this year. One one of the top two guys in the league. He's been really good defensively. South Carolina is a is a team does not allow wild pitches uh, down near the bottom. I think it was third bottom three in the league in wild pitches allowed, which is. Uh, I mean, a testament to the pitching staff, but also a testament to, to the catcher. Cole's got three pass balls on on the year. Um, that's a really good number. Uh, you know, he's obviously doing what he's doing offensively. I mean, I, he's handled the pitching staff well. 
I mean, I, I feel like he's got to be right in that mix to be be all SEC back there. But not only that, he brings so many intangibles. He's he's probably the vocal leader and the emotional leader on the team. Uh, when you take that out of your catcher position, that's a great trait to have as a catcher, by the way. Uh, when when you take that out of there, it, in addition to everything else he does from a physical standpoint, it, it's a big deal. And you know, I'm I don't want to bag on on Jonathan French either. Like he's he. He's done. He's done okay, and I'll be honest. He's been a little bit better than than I expected after watching him in the fall. Um, but is there, there's a reason why there, you have a starter and you have a backup and you have a, a third string guy. The third string guy is just not as good as the first string guy, and you know we're we're, we're seeing that. And you know you can kind of get by a little bit uh, like South Carolina did against Florida. He caught two games against Florida. Um, and, and South Carolina obviously did well that series, but the the more the more you're in there, and the more innings you have to play, and the more you're exposed, of uh, you know it's it's harder to to, to overcome and, and compensate with. So um, you know things have been different, obviously, uh, these last couple of weeks. And when you get back to some normalcy, there's there's a, a, I think a very good chance it gets gets better. And oh, and, and back and back to your point about changing up the rotation. Um, I don't really see that happening this week, but you know, next week against Tennessee, you're moving everybody up a day. You know, maybe that's maybe that's a day uh, when when you do go with a Eli Jones or a James Hicks to to start that Thursday, um, and 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 move Will Sanders to since it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series, move Sanders to Friday and and, and Mahoney to Saturday. I, I do think Mahoney's probably better as a third starter and. And maybe Sanders going going day two will, will be a little bit better for him. So um, there there there's some there's some ways to make some changes in the upcoming weeks because you know South Carolina is is going to play in the SEC tournament the following week, maybe on Tuesday, maybe on Wednesday, and it's it's going to things on the pitching staff are going to have to change, you know, regardless of whether things were going perfectly or not. John, what do they need to do to secure a top eight national seed with? two series remaining in a couple of midweeks? Um, to feel really good going into the SEC tournament, you have to win um, each of the next two series, uh, Arkansas and Tennessee. Now, if if uh, you win one in Arkansas, win, win the series at home against Tennessee and, and make a deep run in the SEC tournament, then, then that might be enough too. Um, but to feel really good about what your chances are going into – into the SEC tournament, I, I, I think you got to win each of these next two series. I mean, South Carolina's lost three out of the last four series now. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's not something that looks real good on the resume. Um, and then if you lose Arkansas on top of that, even if you beat Tennessee at the end, uh, that's that's still not a good good final stretch run. Um, they they they've, they've got to win a couple of series. Uh, and and then maybe even do something then in the SEC tournament that to, to to feel really good about a national seed. And you're talking about an Arkansas team that has swept their last two SEC opponents, A and M, and on the road this weekend at Mississippi State. So maybe the hottest team in the league potentially. We'll see. Yeah, but the week before that, they got swept at Arkansas. <laughs> So it's at, just, at Georgia. It's just yeah. been it's, it's been it's been a funny league this year, and you know, like I said earlier, Kentucky is 
has, uh, has, has played great at home. Uh, Georgia's played great re- recently. Tennessee's been miserable on the road. Uh, they're two and ten in, in league games away from home. So, you know, you 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 look at Tennessee and think that they've been playing really good baseball here lately, but they haven't done it out, outside of Knoxville. So, uh, you know, you 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 got to feel like you can make make up some ground uh, that that weekend, winning at least two, if not three, uh, against the Vols the final weekend. So you don't want to get get a, get ahead of yourself right now. But things are, things are weird in the league for sure. Chris, Chris Payne in the chat box says it sounds like you're at the Masters. I'm not even piping that in. <laughs> wait, wait, Let's go down. Start barking and then it won't sound like I'm at the Masters anymore. I know. Yeah, you think, we'll go to John Whittle, who's on 18. You think that's something that Nance has, like a tweet button? He just hits it and you hear the birds. Tweety, tweet, the birds. <laughs> that's awesome. Nance. Um, yeah, so, yeah, going to Arkansas, you know, you'd almost – I'd almost say you'd, you'd rather have another opponent, but honestly – all 14 teams in this league can jump up and bite you at any point. You remember how good Missouri started the, the, the SEC season? I mean, they swept Tennessee at home and then came to Carolina and gave, gave the Gamecocks all they wanted. They're yeah. what, dead last? <laughs> I mean. Yeah, yeah I, they, they've been ravaged by injuries. And, and I do want to make this point yeah. about injuries real quick. Like, if you gave me a list before the season and said, these are going to be the guys who get hurt and these are going to be how long these guys are out <laughs> I'd have signed for it. I, I would have absolutely signed for it. It sounds like South Carolina has been been ravaged by injuries. Really, they haven't. What's happened is is they've all come at once, yep. and they've all and and they've all been at the same position. So when when you're having to move around infielders and take your catcher out and all these things, like it it, it makes it a real challenge to win games, and that's what they're going through right now. But if you just look at it individually, bit by bit, it hasn't been a bad season. I mean, Kentucky had their ace pitcher out this past weekend, and they had their closer out this past weekend. Everybody's going through it. Arkansas is missing their starting center fielder right now. They've had five major pitching injuries. Uh, they're they're hurt. I mean, Missouri's been ravaged. Everybody's been hit. LSU's been hit, uh, especially on the pitching staff. It's, it's just part of it. You know, losing Noah Hall sucks. It, it just does. And being being down your shortstop sucks for, for two or three weeks. It, it, it does. And it's all happening kind of at once. But these guys are going to be back in, in time to be ready for the postseason. And, you know, we've seen each of the last two years uh, when you get into the postseason and you and if you're healthy and, and you get hot, then, then you can make a run. It happened for, for Ole Miss last year. It happened for Mississippi State the year before. Um, you know, South Carolina should be very healthy in, in the postseason and and have an opportunity to to look like it did. You know, the first the first uh, you know forty games of the season. Chris Veach, uh, he was out this weekend, right? Uh, what's what's his status? Is it, yeah, he was unavailable this past weekend. I don't have all the details on that to to be a hundred percent honest. Um, you know, I, I know he, he he was he was out for the weekend. So you know, South Carolina was without you know. Probably its best pitcher in Noah Hall, and and without its closer in Chris Veach. Um, but you know, I'm not sure right this second uh, how, how long Veach is going to be down. Sweet. 
Whew. Well, at least Gavin Casas got going this weekend with three balls that left the yard out of five five hits for him. And and we mentioned him late last week as a guy we thought could get cranked up this weekend in a ballpark that played well to him, and he did. So uh, we'll, we'll hopefully they can continue that. But uh, unfortunately, Caleb Denny went the other direction. Yeah, Denny had a tough weekend. Auburn when he had a tough one. So. Well, that's baseball. What are you gonna do? You know, <laughs> you, keep you know, when, when you get Lafoy back in there and you get Wimmer back in there, and if you can get McGillis, um, you know, back in there producing at, at the rate he was early in the year, um, then you can put Evan Stone out there in, in center field and not have to worry about. I mean, and, and you shore up things a little bit defensively. Like Dylan Brewer is a great left fielder, and Evan Stone is a great center fielder. Um, Braylon Wimmer's a, or excuse me. Um, Dylan Brewer is an okay center fielder, and and Caleb Denny's okay in left. But you become instantly better if you can put if you can put Evan Stone in, in center field and Dylan Brewer in left. And if you get those bats back in the lineup performing at that level, then then you can. And somebody mentioned in the chat box earlier. I've got the chat box pulled up for the first time in in my uh, in in my inside the Gamecocks the show appearance. And so, somebody mentioned you can't take Braswell in the lineup out of the lineup even when everybody's healthy, and I, I would have a, a tendency to agree with that. But you don't have to play him at short. He's a better third baseman. You can DH Lacroix. You can DH McGillis. Uh, Carson Hornig, uh, as much as I love him, he probably should not be in the lineup right now. I, I think he's got a lot of meat on the bone in terms of what he can do from a production standpoint. Uh, that maybe he'll achieve at some point, be it this year or next year. But I, I do think that. Um, you know, he can probably come out of that lineup is, is the DH right now and, and put one of those other infielders um, in, in the DH spot in place of him, of him whether it's McGillis or LaCroix, uh, because, you know, Braswell is, is a good enough glove, specifically at third base, uh, that I, I think that that should be in the lineup. And certainly with the way he's hit, he's going to be in the lineup. So you become better defensively there. And, you know, I, I think ideally you have McGillis DHing. LaCroix at second base, Braswell at third, and Wimmer at short. And, you know, I think that is probably the lineup you're going to see come come regional play. Well, it could all come together right before the regionals, and that's that's exactly what they want. Hopefully the pitching staff can can get things figured out. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in when you get Messina back there, I think a lot of these guys will feel a little bit better uh, as well. John? Thank you so much, man. Uh, enjoy uh, cleaning up the dog mess, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. Appreciate hey, you, you guys. Thanks you for going, having me in. you going to Arkansas? I won't be in Arkansas uh, this coming weekend. Um, I will I will be home versus Tennessee, obviously, and at the SEC tournament. But but uh, Fayetteville will, will have to, to live without me this weekend. Mm. You're going to miss 10,000 hogs howling at the moon, huh? They, the they've yelled at me hole. enough over the years. I'll I'll, I'll pass this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I remember when uh, Reese walked off the field in 07, somebody threw a cup of water at him, hit him in the head. And and I said, what'd you do? He said, I filled up a cup of water, and I was walking back to throw it at him. And Coach Tanner said, if you throw that at him, I'm going to pull your ass out of the game. He said, I waited till Coach Tanner turned around, and I hit him right in the nose with a cup of water. <laughs> Tanner didn't pull him out of the game, though. He just yelled at him and said, let me fight those fights. But uh, that's Arkansas. So certainly looking looking forward to see if they can get it done down there this weekend. It would be a huge deal for Carolina baseball. Thanks, John. Yep, appreciate you guys. There you go, John Whittle. With the big spur, nobody covers Gamecock baseball like John 
Whittle. We are painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. Let me paint something.com. If you're in South Carolina or Georgia and you need anything painted, indoors, outdoors, stain, concrete, fence, whatever, they do it all. And they're the best. And they're the best priced. And Tristan's like what, the nicest guy in the world. And him and his bride are new parents. And there's every reason in the world to hire these guys if you need something painting because they're also Gamecock owned and operated. Let me paint something.com. Quick timeout, and we'll be right back. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for a karaoke partner, I can tell you, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But what I do have is a very specific set of skills. Hang up now, and your IT nightmares will continue. But stay on the line, and I will find you. And when I find you, I will fix it. Um, thanks. Uh, I think I have the wrong number. I'm trying to call Matt at Heritage Digital. He has a one-price, low-cost turnkey solution for all my IT needs, and I'm sick and tired of my IT guy. So, yeah, 843-699-1001. This is 1002. Oh, well, thanks anyway. Don't be taken by some IT dude that talks a big game. Give Matt at Heritage Digital a call, 843-699-1001. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Hey, Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show garnet and black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox. You heard Evan Stone, Gamecock fans, 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia and the first hour of the show brought to you by Cindy Searfoss and the Colwell Banker Kane Realty Team here in the upstate. Remember, get in touch with Cindy at 864-414-5271 for all your upstate residential real estate needs. By the way, hats off to Joe Rice and his group confidence game. Didn't win it. Cost me 50 bucks. But at the end of the day, they still uh, still ran and... As JC pointed out, it was a rough weekend outside of what happened uh, on the track for horses up there. They gotta, they gotta figure that out. But, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, anyways, uh, hats off to Joe Rice and Ocean Reef Racing and their group for uh, 
for running the race it said so we'll uh real quick uh, jc i know we you've got some definitely want to talk about additional visitors this weekend but if if we can let's hold that till the top of 12 o'clock hour so we got time to have the real conversation yeah. defensive no, end no. and this that and the other to kind of put a quick wrap on baseball though it was um yeah for outside of 2021 two years ago carolina never goes up there and has success ever it's always always a tough brutal weekend it's either the weather sucks and they can't win or the weather's good and they can't win or they can't pitch or they can't hit or both or they make a bunch of air. I mean, it's just never like three good baseball games. Like it's just always something. And you come back home frustrated as all get out and um, and dealing with the injuries and, and you know, the Veach and now Jerzenbeck, not sure exactly what's going to happen with Veach. I, I have heard nothing. Um, yeah, I didn't. I just called it on the broadcast that he was unavailable. So, yeah, little. I mean, that was kind of a surprise there. I mean, now Bruin Nation says with Noah Hall and Eli Jersen back out for the year, it's going to be hard to overcome unless they get hot and score ten runs a game. Uh, let's just put this in perspective. I mean, Noah Hall's been out since the Mississippi State series, which was the first one of the year. Um, or I'm sorry third one of the year, you know, it's been a while. Okay. Eli Jerzenbeck really hadn't pitched a whole lot of innings. Uh, I agree. It negatively impacts you from the postseason standpoint, because you want as many arms as possible in a tournament format or a best of three or, or what have you. Um, but I, I don't know that those two things specifically mean Carolina's going to have to score 10 runs a game. Now, if Will Sanders and Jack Mahoney don't start pitching better and, and Becker doesn't start pitching better, Maybe, maybe so. Um, but, I think uh, I, I, with what Whittle said a minute ago, this is just what I think, which at the end of the day means nothing. I think South Carolina is probably better suited to start Eli Jones on Friday, slide Will back to Saturday, and slide Jack back to Sunday. I think that's. It's it, it's a it's a weird conversation because the common person is going to say, well, why if you've got a Friday night guy, why hadn't he been starting on Friday nights? You know, and it just it's just not that easy just to jump in and make that change because Eli is also very valuable out of the bullpen. But I think that they would be better suited to start him on Friday. And then basically PDS it essentially is what you're doing, which is called a predetermined split where you are basically saying we're going five or four and then we're switching over to Hicks or Becker. If you want to go ahead and turn it around and give, you know, it might be depending on what the lineup is. They might have a bunch of lefties in there. I have no idea, but um, you're basically PDSing it to where you're going to go ahead and make the change after four innings or five innings, unless He's absolutely dealing. And if he's absolutely dealing, you're going to ride it out until it's time to make that change. It just might be a little bit later it, because you can't continue to give up six and seven runs on Friday nights. You can't win any of those games. You have to match an ace for an ace. And if you can't match an ace for an ace, then you've got to be able to find a way to minimize run production. And what is the best way to do that? And it might sometimes be to give your hot, hottest arms a chance, not your best. Yeah, yeah I, I'm with you there, and maybe it 
it, you know, Will Sanders pitched his best after he sat out for a week. You know, it was, he had a really good start. Um, maybe that helps him uh, a lot. And, you know, Whittle made a good point on Mahoney is that, you know, on Sunday you don't have to get through the lineup three times. And, and that's a good point too. Uh, I think, you know, obviously, uh, Bruin Nation, Sanders and Becker have to pitch better. I mean, that's, that's, and Mahoney, all three of them for that matter. But, uh, you know, I, I like to see what happens if Messina gets back behind the plate. That, that's a more, probably an understated thing, um, that I wasn't, I didn't even think about, you know, uh, and that's nothing against Jonathan French, but you get comfortable with a guy like Whittle pointed out. Uh, it can throw you off. The least little thing can throw off these pitchers. I mean, they're they're like I said, they're a lot like horse well, racers. Uh, well, like and a lot horses. of a, a lot of the comfort is knowing that you can you can spike an O two breaking ball in the dirt and it's not going anywhere, or yeah. you know you have confidence that you can throw a back foot slider, and and you can make your best pitch here that he's going to probably swing and miss on, but you can you can throw it wherever you need to throw it and your catcher is going to make sure that things are taken care of like there there's a trust factor in calling pitches for instance you know and being able to you know sometimes they turn it over to these guys and they're calling their own pitches and you know if you know that that guy behind the plate you can trust what he's putting down regardless of what you feel like throwing or not you know there, there there's a lot that goes into this and that's what makes good catchers good catchers. Like people look at the things that stand out on the highlight reel. How many runners is he thrown out? Well, sometimes it doesn't matter. How many runners were running on Cole Messina? Not many. You know, so like, you know, it's it's not the things that necessarily are going to draw your attention in a highlight reel. Uh, it's it's the things that you don't see and don't understand or what make a good catcher a good catcher. I promise you. And and again, not to bag at all on Jonathan French, but there's a reason why Cole Messina was a starting catcher, and it's not because Mark Kingston is an idiot. He understands catchers. He was one. So, you know, it will be a huge deal to get him back behind the plate, and and more than likely that's coming later on this week. Yeah. Absolutely. How much of uh, practice is actually, do you think, any practice from these guys or is it- like, as he continued to work out behind the plate? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, remember, they're throwing bullpens every day. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's I just been – mm-hmm. He's just pulling double duty. And Well, yeah, yeah we knew he'd, he'd be an option at third. We were told that earlier, but just hate to see it come to this <laughs> with the yeah. way it has, you know. you know. Even though, you know, like Whittle said, you know, if you knew – if you had the list of people who were hurting for how long, you'd take it. You know, because it could be a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look, it's a tough stretch, but we gotta, we still gotta. I mean, it's all. It all seems to be piling on. John pointed this out earlier, though. Like everybody's dealing with injuries, and then let's kind of remind ourselves something. If I, if we said at the start of the season, hey guys, uh, on May the eighth, South Carolina's thirty six and 11, 14 and nine in the SEC. Who's signing up for that? So, I mean, they're only two games out of first place. You know, but. But it, it does seem a little bleak right now, and I, I get it. I'm not telling anybody they're wrong for feeling that way. It's tough. You know, you've been riding this train. They've been playing really, really well. I get it, man. Absolutely. Like, it's – you want to see them finish the deal, and they're capable of finishing the deal, and they can do it. Every baseball team hits the skids at some point in the season. And it, so for some teams, it doesn't come. last very long, but there's always a skid. Uh, I think Tanner, one of his World Series teams, started the SEC season, what, one in five? <laughs> 
and and lost. I think got swept at Kentucky uh, early on, you know. Uh, so hey, maybe that's a good sign. They, then, what they happened ended up <laughs> playing the last. I think they ended up winning the last game of the season. So uh, that's uh, that's what happened. So only one team team can do that, by the way. Exactly. So all right, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Don't give up. Don't give up, as Peter Gabriel said. No, not not you. Don't give up on Carolina baseball. That's for sure. We will hit a timeout when we return. Uh, we'll get back into recruiting. Logan Diggs not the only one on campus this weekend at Carolina. If you missed that update, JC will regurgitate it, but he'll also tell us who else was there and what he's hearing on those guys as well. Hang tight. We are powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston on Inside the Gamecocks. The show. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher No Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more, they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the low country. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey everyone, this is Jack Mahoney from Gamecock Baseball, and inside the Gamecocks, the show is teed up every day by travelingcountryclub.com. So if you all love golf, make sure you guys go check out their awesome membership options and go Cox. Welcome to travelingcountryclub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to travelingcountryclub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. In July, we're excited to bring you the third annual Plunder on Polly's two-day golf tournament with rounds played at Caledonia and True Blue Golf Courses in the heart of Polly's Island. Head to TravelingCountryClub.com to register for that event. And it is not exclusive to TCC members, but to become one, you can sign up and bring to life your golf game. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is Zachary Davis from Carolina Hoops, and you're watching the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. Give John a call, 803-446-4662, or shoot him an email at johnb at expresssunrooms.com to talk about potentially enclosing 
a porch or a patio for you to enjoy your summer bug free. And of course, do us a favor, like and subscribe on YouTube, as well as giving us a nice review on Apple Pods or Spotify, wherever you listen to it. That helps us out immensely, and we'd greatly appreciate it. Yeah. Sorry. So we'll I'm, uh, see. I'm, I forgot I had to order something on Amazon. I'm trying to do it. That's <laughs> <laughs> why um, I was actually looking at uh, Bardo Co. floor plans during that last break. Man, aren't, 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 they, aren't they unbelievable? <laughs> These really are awesome, man. This is neat. Coolest it's thing. a great concept. They, they're affordable. I mean, you know, man, this is great. <laughs> yeah, we, we know what we're doing. And if we ever move out of this house and build, there's no doubt what we're doing. I know a lot of builders, but nothing like what these guys do, man. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I'd love to see one up close and personal. They need a spec. Where they got a spec home, JB? We need to figure that out. Everywhere? Too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, they, they, their home office is in the upstate, not far from you, as a matter of yeah, fact. Yeah, that's true. I think we're in Duncan. Yeah, so we'll have mm-hmm. to check that out. Duncan. Mm-hmm. In the city. City of Duncan. Yeah. <laughs> they keep it. Dude, I heard the best DJ mix mash uh, over the weekend uh, on TikTok. They have all these like TikTok mixes. TikTok. Uh, I don't get on TikTok that often unless Phil's wife sends me a funny video. She's yeah. like the only person that communicates with me on TikTok. <laughs> but they're hilarious. But uh, <laughs> he. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's a mix of Disturbs, Down with the Sickness, and uh, Nothing But a G Thing by Snoop Dogg. It was it was really, really cool. I mean, I, I don't know. Y'all check that out. Or maybe it was still the DRE or something. Maybe it's still the DRE. Maybe that, that was still the DRE. Nah, 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 nah. That one. That one. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just thought I'd pass that along. Joel says, respectfully, Tanner is not in the dugout, JC. I know. Mm-hmm. At some point, though, people got to, you know, the program has to get over that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's never going to happen again. It's been <laughs> 11 years, you know. Uh, uh, Kingston's the coach. It's, you know, he's judged just like everybody else uh, on performance. And, you know, so far this year, the performance has been as a whole good. Uh, baseball, though, you, you do hit a slump. I mean, every team does. Every team does. There's too many. It's not an undefeated sport. Uh, I tend to agree with Joel a little bit about something seems really off with the team, like motivationally this weekend. I'm not saying they didn't try because I'm sure they did. I'm sure there's a lot of hurt people in the dugout. Um, but they, they, it, it, it was sloppy. Yeah, they played very sloppy this weekend. And they're, they're, I, I think one of the positives of getting guys back from injury is that you can't have a, a renewed focus. Okay. Well, we got our team back. Now we can flush this stupid Kentucky loss on the stupid field and the stupid bluegrass or whatever, uh, and move forward. Um, so I, I, you know, I look, yeah. I mean, come on, man. And, and, they, and their, their, their baseball atmosphere is just as corny and stupid as their football atmosphere. Was that, um, they actually don't have much of a baseball atmosphere. Up there. People are gonna, yeah. They play that stupid music. And they they try to toy, so like like their football. The football game this year, it was like nothing but a you know they DJed all the time. You couldn't hear their marching band. Just it sounded more like a basketball, like an NBA basketball game I've, in that stadium. It's funny you a, say that because uh, last time I went to Lexington for a football game, mm-hmm. uh, there you know it was a group of us, and we we all left there. We got beat. Carolina got beat, and so it's been probably five years ago or so. 
And, um, and we all left that ballpark that night, Kroger Field, thinking to ourselves, first of all, you felt like your head was ringing because the music is so loud that they play. And it's like they have to do that in order to generate any type of atmosphere there by virtue of playing this like, rap music. It's and they have big weird. crowds. Like they show up for football. I mean, they show up for football. Well, they do now. Baseball, they don't show. Yeah, I mean, they they they're not like a like a North Carolina or an Indiana or someplace no. like that where you got to. I mean, they they they're, they're knowledgeable football people. They just have never been good, and and they do try to manufacture the atmosphere. And I just. And I, I got the same vibe from the bass listening, especially when I turned on Tommy and Derek, because you could hear the crowd more. I'm just like, God, what is up with this crappy music they keep playing? And nah, 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 nah. you know, it's like, I mean, little sounds and stuff. I'm like, come on, man, give me an organ, give me, give me, dun, 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 you know, the claps. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. To me, it's baseball, man. <laughs> yeah, da, 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 something like that. Um, so everybody's asking me about Logan Diggs. I addressed this at the top of the show, but uh, just for those of you that are just tuning in, uh, running back from Notre Dame had a great visit. Uh, there is a some confidence on the part of Carolina as far as being able to land him. Um, it's recruiting, so you just never know. So I'm I'm, I'm hesitant to kind of you know pop open the bubbly right now and start celebrating. But <laughs> I will tell you, if they do go on to land this guy, it, it's a, it's a big boost to the backfield. He's really good. Um, and, and I know it's easy for me, us to sit here because the last game Carolina played Logan Diggs took him to the woodshed, right? Uh, <laughs> catching the ball, running the ball, whatever, but go back and look at his stat line from the Clemson game. Notre Dame lined up and just ran it all over Clemson. Uh, Diggs 17 carries 114 yards. He is a big, powerful, fast back. Uh, and he gets he, – he breaks a couple of tackles and into the secondary, you're, you're going to have a hard time catching him. And I've noticed in some of his clips too, if, you, if he does have a defensive back in the way, he's going to run him over most of the time. I mean, that, that's, that dude is, is – he's legit. Um the other back that visited from NC State, Demi, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but uh, he, he kind of came in before. Uh, if you go watch him too, he's good. Now he he's a guy. Uh, the the kid from um, the kid from NC State reminds me a bit of Corey Boyd, uh, right down to the fact that he's from uh, New Jersey. Yeah, he's a New Jersey tough New Jersey kid, uh, and and kind of a blend of Boyd and Rico Dowdle. But rushed for about 358 yards last year at state, but he was hurt. And when he wasn't hurt, he was among their better running backs. He's got some really nice highlights. And so if it ends up being him, you know, that's a big one too. It's it's not probably not as celebrated as Diggs. And obviously if I'm deciding between the two, I'm taking Diggs because Diggs is a legit dude. Uh, and, and this other guy is too. He just doesn't have the stats and all that experience. And you do worry about the injuries and stuff like that. But um, I, uh, wow, I just think that, uh, you know, if they can get Logan Diggs, that, that solves a lot. I mean, I'll, I'll say this, though. You're going to, if the offensive line, uh, and, and it's going to be these older guys, it's going to be these guys that have been here for a while that have to, 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 to pick it up and move it forward, right? Uh, Carolina needs those guys this year, and then they need 
the guys that have come in behind them to develop and have really strong, uh, a really strong year of developing for 2024. Um, I mean, it's going to be Vershawn Lee, Trey Jones, Ja'Kai Moore, Tyshawn Wanamaker, Nick Gargiulo. Those are your guys. Uh, and so you're going to hang 20, you know, net, you're going to net 21 rushing guards against Georgia again this year uh, if you can't block. I mean, so I don't care who's back there running the ball. Uh, they need to keep Spencer upright, too, for the most part. Um, and Carolina struggled against the better teams. I do think this offense with Dowell Loggins is going to be – because when you're fighting a disadvantage uh, on the lines of scrimmage, guys, and then you throw confusion and chaos on top of that, it's it's hard to have a cohesive offense. It, it really is. Um, you know, so I do think that, that you're not going to have the scheme issues that maybe you had last year based on what I've heard. And then let's say the worst happens. They don't sign a running back. Well, there's a lot of air raid in this offense. You guys may not. I mean, I, I think there's a lot more than people. I, I think Dowell took a lot more um, from Kendall Bryles than from the Bryles playbook than, than maybe we think. I'll just put, I'll just leave it at that. Um, and so, you know, obviously, if you if you go and run that style all year because you have to, you just have to. Um, teams have won games doing that. I mean, it's not you know, uh, Texas Tech has a Juju McDowell in the backfield under Mike Leach just about every year. You know, so uh, so that could be something too to kind of. I mean, look, there's always more. You know, because somebody said Clint. I think somebody said they have to sign a running back. Uh, they need to, but there's always there's always a way. You know, these coaches don't get paid by what they do. Some of them, some of them get paid way too much. But you know, uh, the ones at Carolina, at least, they don't get paid what they do to just kind of, oh well, well, we didn't get this guy from the portal, so our season's tanked. I mean, because what if that guy gets hurt? You know, mm-hmm. that's uh, yeah. that's part of it too. Uh, the defensive end from Syracuse, Detius Gear. He's a, uh, I think it's Gear. Belton Honey Path, like I've said for a while, all signs point to him coming back home, playing for Carolina. Uh, he's really good as well. And I think there's some mis- mis- misunderstanding. There, there wasn't, to my knowledge, there wasn't a second defensive end on campus this weekend. There is another one out there. Now, I may be wrong about that, I, I, but when I checked, it was Jeer and, and Diggs and um, – and then the kid from NC State came in earlier in the week. So I, uh, you know, uh, I, I I wanted to clarify that a little bit. Um, What's but, the kid's uh, name from NC State? Jimmy something. Uh-huh. See? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's Demi Sumo Kongbe. That's an awesome Sumo. name. Sumo Kongbe. That's right. Demi Sumo Kongbe. I like that. I almost graduated sumo combe. No, you didn't. <laughs> that's, that would be cum laude. <laughs> Demi Sumo Kongbe is how you say his name. And to your point, by the way, about his his being injured, and and, and I'm with you. You know, from a fan's you know standpoint, this one isn't going to pop as much as Logan Diggs for a couple of reasons. One, he's coming from Notre Dame, too. We watched him run up and down the field on us only a few months ago. Um, and, his, and his numbers last year were better. But um, they were better if you actually look at the beginning of the season for this young man. He was 
he's one of their dudes. I mean, he had uh, 35 carries in the first three games of the year, 14-7-14, and he ran for, you know, two over 200 yards with a couple of touchdowns, and he caught six passes out of the backfield for over 100 yards for a touchdown. I mean, he was he was an NC State. Like he was going to be one of the dudes, and then he and then he started to kind of get banged up and shoot from there. Guys, the rest of the year he had seven, twenty carries the whole year um, mm-hmm. because he just couldn't get over injuries, and um, and and so he's a guy just to kind of back up your point. Who's very 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 capable, and I think from what I've heard is really good. Let me ask you a really interesting question here: Any chance that both of them end up at South Carolina? I don't know that they have the the room scholarship wise. Uh, if you looked at uh, the attrition from the portal or to the portal from South Carolina, that uh, the, you know you got the same number I did, JB. That number they didn't even come close to having that many people leave. Um, and, and I think that's a testament to you know kids like to play at South Carolina. Yeah. Um, they're, they're all, even if, even if they're not seeing the field and, 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 you know, having a lot of playing time, maybe they're down the depth chart. They enjoy their experience. And I think that's important, uh, you well, know, these days. I, uh, to J- Joey just makes a point here too. Uh, he said that name is, that name is the Todd Ellis nightmare. And I know that this is message board fodder. We see it from time to time. Well, Joey, here's here. He, this might, if this kid ends up at South Carolina, this might, uh, this might make, Folks really enjoy him. His nickname is Sharko, and they call him Sharko. And you will hear that on NC State broadcast, Sharko with the carry left side. Why? Because he said, everybody wants to be the goat. He said, I want to be the shark. Interesting. I like that. So he uh, was nicknamed Sharko, and that's, that's why that's how he – that's that's what they call him, Sharko. Sharko. Sharko and or Demi. That's good. That's that killer mentality. Yeah. Sharko. You think when they scored, you'd hear baby shark? Do, 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 do. Oh lord. <laughs> <laughs> the worst song I, ever. I know. I know. I know. If he were. Uh, you know, coming in from an opposing team and, you know, fumbled the ball or something like that, I'd probably play that <laughs> just just to be a fuck. <laughs> I'm, with, I'm with Jan here. As long as they don't play Baby Shark. Yeah. Jeez. Please, God, no. Did they really play that? <laughs> yeah, they played it all really? weekend. Jeez. You can hear it in the background the whole time. I don't know why. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Joey lives up there. Joey, find out what the deal is with why they play that song at uh, Kentucky Proud Park. If they only play. Do they play it at foot? They don't play it at JC. You were at the football game this year, right? Did they play it at in Kroger Field? What Baby Shark? Yeah. Do you remember? I don't remember. Okay. Hurt me. Yeah, I, don't I don't remember if they played it or not because Nat would have been dancing. <laughs> She she likes that oh. song. Her kids used to listen to it. <laughs> it's only over after and it. over. Matt would have been dancing. So, uh, okay. So yeah, it's obviously some type of thing up there. So mm-hmm. once the opposing guy goes two zero, and then three zero jaws. Okay. So what do they do after a walk? 
Like it, like you know, at A and M, ball four, ball four, and they keep going five so, until you throw strike. Rock lobster. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what they should play. I don't know. So, but how about uh, let me to to summarize this running back thing, JC? Is it? Would you call it likely that South Carolina lands one? one of these two running backs we've been discussing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and look, guys, y'all are asking about the mystery DE. There's a reason it's a mystery, okay? <laughs> uh, and I'm not even sure he visited. I'm not – I need to follow up with Tony on that because I don't uh, – I, I don't think he visited. I don't think he's at that point yet. So – but I'm not talking about it. So, guys, just, just chill. I mean, it, it, this is so – this portal stuff is so sensitive. Um, you know, you, you got to kind of be patient with me and everybody else that's reporting on this stuff. Um, you know, I know everybody wants to know, but, um, you know, I think that, uh, I don't know, I, I, you know, I think that the kid from Syracuse, Jatias Jeer, and, uh, then one of these two running backs, uh, those are the guys focused on right now. The other one is going to be down the road a little bit, but before the season. So we'll see sort of, uh, what happens there, but, uh, yeah, so I'm not, you can ask all you want. I'm not talking about the mystery DE, <laughs> but um, I uh, I do think JB did answer your question again. It, it's they're gonna. I, I believe truly they'll get one of these two guys. I you know it'll be it'd be disappointing if they didn't. You know just based on the initial feedback from from both visits and and all that. So I I would think that you know I would think it's in the works, and uh, I think they got to you know right now it looks like they've done a good job with uh, Logan Diggs, a good enough job, so to speak, mm-hmm. which I, again, never count these guys out. And again, it just kind of, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it continues to remind me of Philip Fulmer and the way he recruited at Tennessee in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think oh, that okay. if they keep nice. sustaining that, yeah. And, and I was talking to somebody at the event about it, uh, a group of guys about recruiting. I was like, they're kind of recruiting like that now. And, and you know, it, it, we got the same old kind of, and most Gamecock fans are pretty reasonable. I mean, standards are certainly higher than they used to be because coach Spurrier came in and won those games and stuff. And, and this, that, and the other. No, nobody's just thrilled with seven and six every year. Uh, people are, you know, those aren't the better seasons anymore, but um you know, they're like, well, hey, look, if we can just go to a bowl every year and, and then, you know, cycle up, win eight, nine, ten, you know, some, and then cycle back to eight, you know, everybody would be happy. And that's true. But uh, but then I looked at myself, but what if Beamer really starts, is recruiting like Fulmer did in the 1990s at Tennessee? Uh, and it, it's kind of the same. I just never thought you could do it at South Carolina like, like they, could, they did it there, you know, but it's the same formula for school B that, that or a school a or school B that does not have a big state uh, in terms of numbers of prospects. Um, you know, you, you coach at the university of Texas, you better recruit the top guys in Texas and you better be right about it uh, because that's your lifeblood LSU. You better keep the Louisiana kids at home. Um, even Alabama and Auburn, even though the, the state of Alabama has less of a population than the state of South Carolina by about 200,000, Right. Uh, they put out three times as many FBS level prospects. Now, part of that's because they have Troy, uh, UAB, and South Alabama all at the FBS level. 
Uh, and then Coastal Carolina doesn't really recruit in state heavy here. Um, but that's how you overcome it. The state of Tennessee, uh, when you know, historically and, – and look, the Vols always have history. You know, they'll always have history on the Gamecocks. And it's easier to sell those types of programs. Um, but you got to start somewhere. And, uh, and it's pretty daggum nice at South Carolina right now. But it, the state of Tennessee, you know, because of where Knoxville is, it is a big, long state. People don't realize how long it takes to get from Knoxville to Memphis. Dude. That's a haul. Knoxville that to Nashville is long enough. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and really, it's a different unit. The east, eastern part of the state You're like, different. oh, my God, are we in Oklahoma? No, we're just outside hit, yeah. of Knoxville. What? But on the road it's a different hours. world uh, on that side. And so and you've got Memphis, the, the which what, I think Na- Memphis is still the largest city in the state. You got Memphis over there, you know, next to Arkansas and Mississippi. Uh, and so kids from there tend to go to Ole Miss because Ole Miss is right down the road or, or, or they go to Arkansas or they, or they go to another SEC West school. So Tennessee, you know, as far as in-state guys, you know, they, they had to go out of state. And one of the ways you can do it is you go find little pockets where you can get in there and battle like hell and get players and, and it all adds up. You, may, you probably, you know, you get two this year from this area, four from the DMV, a couple from North Carolina. Uh, they're all blue chip guys. You know, Tennessee also under former recruited well in Georgia. Really got a lot of good players out of Georgia. We all know what they did in the state of South Carolina where they took how many top high level guys, <laughs> how many uh, Dominique Stevenson uh, was uh, one of them. Uh, I mean, they're uh, on the national championship team. Sean Ellis was a kid from West Side and Anderson that went to Tennessee. I mean, they had a they had a big run. So going back to Stanley Morgan, wide receiver from Easley. Stanley Morgan went to Tennessee. He's from South Carolina. So is that Morgan Stanley's cousin or no? No, that's oh, that's Sp- Lanning Spencer's cousin. Lanning Spencer. <laughs> Lanning Spencer. I always like Lanning. He's a good guy. But, you, you know, I mean, I, I'm just saying that that is that is a proven – if you're looking to win championships, uh, and how do you do it in a place like South Carolina, well, that's kind of what you, you – know, in an ideal world, that's what you should do. I just never thought they could do it. I, I was like, this is going to have to be a program where you live off of in-state talent, you live off of guys that were maybe under-recruited a little bit, you're hoping you hit on guys in Georgia and Florida. And then, yeah, it would be nice someday to get back into North Carolina and get their top guys because that, that gives you a nice base of elite. And you can you can use those four states and get by. I think that's been the philosophy. It was, it was Spurrier's philosophy. It certainly was Muschamp's philosophy. But Beamer, I, I don't think he cares about my opinion or anybody, any recruiting expert's opinion as to what you can do and how you can do it. He's taking it next level. And, and it's not been – they're not just out there throwing out offers all over the country either. It's been very targeted uh, and, and in places that make sense. I mean, I, I'm still beside myself there in the top top three for three of the top seven players in Mississippi this cycle. Well, you know who else would go into Mississippi and take a couple of guys? Philip Fulmer. Mm. You know, one year Philip Fulmer had a top five player from every SEC state. Arkansas, Mississippi, Tennessee, Georgia, you know, and, and you can build a roster that way. I just, I just honestly, God, and I'm sorry, guys, I, I just never thought it could be done much less this fast. I thought that you could get there after a period of winning 
the, these guys don't care. I mean, they're just like, all right, we're getting him. Let's go get him. Let's go get him. So uh, impressive to say the least. And if they get Logan Diggs, that's another big uh, cherry on top of Sunday. It is 1230 on just another manic Monday. Uh, we do need to step aside for a quick time. I've been working on that one all weekend. Just That's good. sour. You know, when you're in the shower, you got to think of things to sing. And there you go. Manic Monday. Um, we will dip back into the chat box when we get back. And we got a few more things on deck as well. So. Don't go anywhere. Built by the Barndo Co. The BarndominiumCo.com. Inside the Gamecocks, the show will be right back. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning, it'll melt in your mouth, it's good on a cracker, it's good in a bowl, it's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget, Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. Endless summer, go Tiger. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find a West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blanton. Hey, JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone sing you. This is Colmacina from the Yardcocks. Electric bikes at Charleston Powers inside the Gamecocks, the show. Be sure to check them out online or in Mount Pleasant. Go Gamecocks. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. And I was just sitting here thinking, Manic Monday, I kept singing that in my head as we were going through the break. When I was on mornings on, uh, on over at ESPN, we had a bumper with that song on it. And 
every Monday it played, and I sang it until Friday, and then came back. Start again. over. Brand I just do it all again. Like, <laughs> I was like, man, and I and I had a lot, you know, I did a lot of my own production too, and I continued to try to pull it out of production. And then our producer, when he would show up, you know, whenever he felt like showing up, would just slide it back in there. Like, come on, man. Come on. Um, yeah. What are, JC, what are the, um, the 2024, or I guess it'd be 2023 transfer rankings. So where, where is South Carolina now right now? 2024 rankings? No, uh, 2023. 2023 uh, transfer class. Where's Carolina's class rank? Oh, they're top 25-ish. Let me look uh, right now. Because um, I got – we obviously got on track for 2024. What, what, what was it last year? The transfer class for 2022 was pretty high. Okay. Ninth, ninth. Ninth nationally. This, and so – so, two two part question here. All right. So one, I I just pulled it up. I saw. I think we're at thirtieth right now. But these yeah. things jump like you get one guy it jumps ten spots. You know. So, yeah. um, so it's kind of a two part question here. Uh, no, number one, let's let's talk best case scenario. Let's say South Carolina lands, um, the Diggs kid. Oh, oh, by the way, they look like different running backs. They're the same size too. It's amazing how body weight can. He shifted a little bit differently. They're both six foot, about 215 pounds. Um, but um, so let's say Carolina lands gear and lands Logan Diggs. Uh, that's pretty much going to put a bow on their transfer class, m- except for one more than likely down yeah. the road. And so where would you anticipate that class ending up for South Carolina? That's part one. Part two, though is unlike traditional recruiting rankings where you're signing high school kids, um, you're signing JUCO kids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Explain the difference in why there's not always value in a high ranking for the transfer class. Like, I guess what I'm getting at here, not to answer my own question, but I'll, I'll let you kind of take this and run with it. If you have like a number, a top five transfer class every year that you're bringing in, that's probably not the best thing in the world, right? It probably means that you're, yeah, you're signing a lot of really good kids or at least a lot of kids, but you're, you got a lot of guys leaving your program constantly. So like how much value is in the transfer portal ranking? Well, there's a lot of well, the portal rankings too. I, I think as an as an industry, the, the recruiting media industry, I, I, I continue to maintain it's going to take two or three years for the evaluators to kind of get a good. Maybe they never do it uh, to get a good beat on it. Right now, there's still too much of an attachment to the high school ranking because uh, nobody wants to be wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you got a five star at a school that. You know, I guess that running back for Penn State, I guess it's Devin Ford was a five-star, and I think he had 20 carries his whole career at, at Penn State. I'm not even sure if he was injured or not. But uh, so he pops in the portal, and and, and he's going to be ranked higher than Mario Anderson, you know, just because people don't want to let go of it. So there has to be uh, – I think media companies, 24-7 sports included, there needs to be a wall there, you know. And, and, and 24-7 has guys that – 
just do the portal and that's fine, but uh, it, it, it's going to take them a while to kind of figure it out. What are, what, what is the value of the numbers we are assigning to kids in the portal? Uh, so that's one. And so that's why I don't, you know, I kind of just take it with a, a grain of salt. I mean, South Carolina had the ninth ranked transfer class last year. Obviously Spencer Rattler was a highly rated transfer, but so was Austin Stogner and he kind of had a disappointing run of it at Carolina. Now he's gone back to Oklahoma. Um, Corey Rucker lasted what one touched one memorable touchdown yeah. reception, but you also have juice Wells. I mean, you know, uh, Christian Bill Smith stayed hurt all year last year. So it's, a uh, it's one of those things where it, it is kind of a crapshoot. And I, I think this, I, I don't think, I, I think you can, I think it's what South Carolina does in the transfer portal smart. Uh, and they're, they're intelligent with how they do it because, you're getting quality guys out of the portal to where you can kind of load up every year and fill needs every year. But at the, on the back end, South Carolina is recruiting blue chip talent uh, more than it probably ever has out of the high school ranks. And so that's kind of a double edged sword for you because you can, you can, you can now be patient with your younger players. You're not forcing freshmen in there to play uh, all that good stuff. Um, and I would take South Carolina's uh, situation over like an art, like what, what's ha- what happens happened to Arkansas the last two years, where there was just mass exodus out, uh, mass mass exodus back in, right, or, or mass transfers back in. You know, they've got uh, Arkansas yet again is eighth in the country with fourteen transfers coming in. Uh, if for twenty twenty three, yeah, I believe in twenty twenty two, they had. Um, they were uh, up there as well. They were tenth, right behind the Gamecocks with nine. So that's twenty-three guys uh, from the portal the last couple of years, and you know that's that's to me. Uh, if that's the consistent number, you know, if you're double-digit transfers in and out every year, that's uh, that's tough. But South Carolina, uh, like we talked about earlier, they haven't lost that many guys. I mean, there's a couple here and there. Um, and so I think as long as you don't have mass exodus uh, and, and your roster is constantly in flux, you know, you can use that to your uh, to your advantage. So um, so, so let, let here's a couple of interesting things. Speaking of the portal, I'm not sure. I know you're looking at the rankings right now, as you just mentioned, Arkansas. But all right, so think about this for a second as it compares. Phil, I, I don't pull up the, if you can pull up the 24 uh, seven transfer rankings and you're going to you're going to be like, wait, what? All right, so if you if you had if you're if you're talking about a regular recruiting class right now, all right, and you've got thirty eight guys in that recruiting class, and the next dude's got fourteen, which is a difference of twenty four, you are going to be so far ahead of them in their traditional recruiting rankings. You feel like there's no chance of ever catching up in the transfer portal rankings. And I said 38 for a reason. Colorado right now has 38 transfers in their 2023 class. 38. And they're number one, but with 89.2 points. Southern Cal has 14 transfer commitments. Eight four stars are are of those 14. The rest are three stars and below. And they're only seven points back of Colorado at 82. So Colorado, as Dion said he would do, 
walked in the door and said, get the hell out, all of you. <laughs> We're bringing in a, a new group, right? Jeez. Now, but, but that's one end now. Here's the other end of the spectrum, and this is where I think, and this is a South Carolina program, so, you know, we're, we're commonly going to, well, I'll use the Steve Spurrier, Shane Beamer approach to this. Uh, we don't often discuss that team from the upstate around here. As anybody's picked it up, Shane doesn't say their name, just like Steve did. Um, they have one transfer. And while I understand, and I do, by the way, respect the, Coach Sweeney's approach in a lot of this and like, hey, look, this is I, I respect somebody that says this is what we feel like is best for us and this is the way we're going to do it. Okay. He might be wrong, and I think he is wrong, but I absolutely do respect that. I can respect somebody saying I want to do it my way, not your way. With that said, I I, I don't in this everybody's taking transfers, guys. Everybody's doing it. Nobody is above that. Not Bama. Not Georgia, not Ohio State, not nobody. Like they know, if we want to stay elite, we we probably have to do this. If you want to survive, and other like like South Carolina is an elite, but if they want to survive in advance, they they need to do it right. So everybody has their own reasoning for needing to dip into the portal. Clemson apparently does not have a reason to do that, according mm-hmm. to them, because they have one transfer. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. And that kid is uh, one Paul Tyson, the great-grandson of Bear Bryant. Yeah, shocking. There's probably no connection there. (laughs) Dabo, you know, I mean, just about 90%, 95% of Dabo is like, Bama or Clemson. It's it's, uh, it's just kind of how he rolls. But uh, I – Well, and JC, I'll tell you another thing. I know. It's – yeah, I get it. That's why, by the way, that's why he's not ever going to Alabama. Um, Arizona State has 27. So you're talking about two programs that fired their coaches out west, right? Colorado, Arizona State. And they're both trying to instantly flip everything. They've, those two have a combined 65, 65, 65. A combined 65 transfers between those two schools. So that's what some of these people are going to be doing. And I'll be interested. We don't have enough data right now, right? We don't have enough data to analyze whether this works or not. But in the long run, it's going to affect a lot of stuff because if you're an AD and you see that you can fire a coach, there's data that proves, hey, look, these guys are firing coaches, but they then they then go out and, and hire the right guy, and he comes in and just flips the whole roster, roster via the transfer portal. And within two years, we went from three wins to ten wins. Like, that's going to be an incredible piece of data that kind of helps dictate the future of the sport. Yeah, but I, I don't think it'll happen, JB. I, I think th- it, there's a there's a fine balance. Uh, and there's something to be said when you're talking about winning football games. You know, there's that thing called culture people mm-hmm. talk about. Oh, I agree. And running that. off guys that have had a vested interest and then bringing in mercenaries, too many of them. Not smart. I think that can backfire. I, you know, basketball is different. Basketball, I think you could put together a dream team. I mean, these guys all played AAU ball. They switch AAU teams left and right, you know, whatever. They're, they're kind of used to – you still have to develop chemistry, but you can do that in all season. For a football program, I, I just don't know. I mean, you know, you're going to have to have some great, great, great leadership uh, on that team. And Quantrell mentioned Mike Norvell. Um 
at Florida State. I think they've had the night uh, the, a great. They're a lot like South Carolina in the sense I think they've they've hit the nail on the head down there. You know, they they've they've brought enough guys in, but they've also hit high school recruiting hard. Uh, they brought in the right guys, and, and they had a culture problem when he walked in the door that was not easily as easily fixable as the one at South Carolina, where you know Will Muschamp left a lot of good a lot of good people, quality people. You know, Florida State had some pe- people that were bad; they didn't belong in the program. Um, and, and so Norvell's hit it out of the park. But uh, it is interesting, and I also think this for the Western schools. You know, you've heard head West young man and, and all that good stuff. Sometimes that's can that type of that type of uh, you know change can be positive for for a young man, you know, and uh, to go to Tempe or to go to Boulder, you know, which is basically Phoenix or Denver, um, to get away, get out west. I mean, it's uh, I think the Western programs, as far as specifically with the transfer portal goes, that they could they could make some things happen. You know, Arizona State is a little bit different than. Than Colorado, where Dion just you know threw a stick of dynamite in the locker room and said, "Get out." Uh, Arizona State had a mass exodus because of the Herm Edwards fiasco and an NCAA investigation, and, and they lost Daniels last year at LSU. I mean, it was uh, <clears throat> you know it, it, it's a situation where they were going to have to take that many guys, and until Kenny Dillingham gets in there and establishes, and there's Arizona State's problem is kind of like how South Carolina's used to be. They can't keep the guys in state that are in Arizona. Um, and so we'll see if that helps out there. But uh, certainly 38 is a lot, JB. That's a lot. 38. Quantrell asked, where did that phrase come from? Go West, young man. Well, I don't know. Toby Keith sings it. California is full of whiskey. Do y'all want me to sing throughout the rest originates. of the show? Back in Bob Seger, just about no. all of Bob Seger's songs are about heading west. It uh, Go West, Young Man, go, dates back to the gold rush is oh. where that came from. Well, yeah, Manifest Destiny, imagine that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, the interesting yeah. thing about these 38 commits for Colorado, how many of those would you think are actually blue chip recruits? Uh, Five. <laughs> If you can include I, four stars. I, and two of them he brought – I mean, you know, you got to think the number one – you yeah. know, transfer he had already coached. The number right. two transfer he's got already coached, and oh well, happens to also be his son. How many? Uh, <laughs> how many? Oh no, wait a second here. How Did many? they track two star recruits? Because I, I believe the rest of the roster is going to be ended up filling up. This, with guys like dude, that. this is this is unbelievable. <laughs> like how how many guys? left the program hmm. I, don't know. I don't know but i mean i'm, I'm I want to say it was 30 plus or, or well was it 50 yeah. plus <laughs> yeah uh i mean i'm looking at some of the dudes that have and i know we gotta go here it just doesn't really matter but they got a kid from arkansas and in they got an in from arkansas they got a corner out of uh old miss i'm thinking of just looking at guys whose names i recognize they've got a linebacker demoy kennedy from Alabama. They got Derek McClendon, of course. Um, JC, I guess he got a bunch of money. They got a wide receiver out of Auburn, Tavares Dawson. I remember that name. Um, they got a safety out of Kentucky, Vito Tisdale. So, and that's just a few of them. They've got a safety from Florida State. 
Um, we know about the guys from Jackson State, Jacquez Robinson, the corner from Colorado. I mean, from Alabama, committed to them. They got a, a kid from uh, offensive tackle, David Connor from Florida, a defensive lineman, Amari McNeil from Tennessee. Um, so I mean, and those were all guys that committed basically before the spring game because after the spring game is when everybody started dipping out. Uh, they got a couple other guys from Florida State. So, you know what? I mean, I just – what I just named? 10, 11 guys from SEC programs? So, Dion's basically taking a chance just on SEC talent. Come to Boulder. We're in the Pac-12. We'll see what happens here. I, I still think that they're going to not be good in year one. I just don't see how they can be. They might get better as the year goes on. But I just I, I just feel like the beginning of the season, guys, is going to be a colossal mess. No, and, then, and I think, you know, just, being good at the end of the year is going to be contingent upon whether or not he builds enough depth. I mean, because I think that for me, that's the biggest problem with this team is I don't know if you're deep. You're damn sure not deep enough to run through a league like the SEC. Now, Pac-12 is a different animal, but yeah. Oh, yeah. That's where yeah. I think the problem lies. Yeah, I uh I control. They went one and eleven last year. I'm kicking everyone off the roster. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, you mean, know, yeah. There, the other side but, of that is it was like, how good? But I, you've really got to trust in your evaluations if you're yeah. kicking that many guys out of the team. It, it's like, such you, a fine line. Got to trust yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, obviously, Dion does not lack for confidence. But no, he doesn't. Be. But I mean, JC pointed this out earlier too. Like. You know, I, 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 maybe a lot of those guys are terrible. Who knows? But like you, I, I just don't. It is a really it, that used to be a what you use to recruit against guys. Well, you can't trust going there. Like you don't even know if they're going to bring you back next year. That was why they re- started introducing these four year uh, scholarships and stuff. You know, Carolina's got them. Clemson has four year deals. Not everybody gets one, but but they're available. Um. And so, you know, you start setting that precedent where you where you kick 70 guys out of your program, you know, and they're like, hey, look, they recruited me here. Like, I've done the best that I can do. Not all of them are like that. Some of them are probably, you know, shouldn't be there. But, yeah, it's a fine line. I mean, we could talk about this all day. I don't know where you where you stop the conversation. But I do – I need to stop my own because we do have to go to break. We're teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com. It's the coolest club in the Carolinas, no doubt. About that, if you like to play golf or you want to play golf or you play a little bit of golf or anything in between, there's nowhere that you want to be more than here. Travelingcountryclub.com, the Midlands, the Upstate, the Coastline, the PD, wherever it is, the Low Country, Charlotte, up in the mountains towards Maggie Valley and the Western North Carolina area. There's courses everywhere, almost 45 of them. So if you want to play golf one round a month, It'll pay it off for you. Travelingcountryclub.com. Trust me. Check it out. Pull up your phones and type it in, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. As somebody pointed out the other day, this is too good to be true. No, not this. It is true, <laughs> and it is good. Quick timeout. We'll be back to wrap it up in just a minute. 
The days of being back in the pool and boat are quickly approaching. Many of us don't have the time to hit the gym, but Charleston Fitness Equipment can change that for you. Outfit your home with a treadmill, elliptical, or my favorite, a home rower that allows you to row with the pros all over the world. They have free weights, home gyms, flooring, and much more that makes keeping or getting in shape much more convenient. Located in Mount Pleasant, visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com for more. Get in shape like our Gamecocks. Charleston Fitness Equipment, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 L-O-N-M-L-S 1772-182 Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Ethan Petrie from Land Lakes, Florida. And you are listening to the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox. On deep drive to left. Morgan looks up and it is gone. Go two is sent to center, and this one is going to be long gone. Shot the opposite field from Casas, and it's gone. 2-0. That's driven deep to left. Langford looks up, and it's gone. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. It's brought to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. Final segment of the show on this miserable manic Monday. <laughs> Coming off being swept in Lexington. Well, there, uh, there are some good things going on. We want to make sure oh, that we re- remind mm-hmm. everybody that the tennis team, the ninth-seeded tennis team's got Tennessee coming up this week in the Sweet 16. That's an 8-9 matchup. Hats off to them and uh, South Carolina softball team, the 10 seed in the tournament. While that doesn't sound great, and generally it's not, Carolina's 34-19, 9-15 in the league and uh, likely to be in the postseason. And also, if they can beat seventh-seeded Texas A&M on Wednesday, that's that's certainly probably going to go a long way in getting them there. So uh, they did take down Tennessee yesterday. Um, so, But a couple of good things there to um to pass along also let me pass this along real quick as well coach king on today on 107.5 the game here's what he had to say tomorrow night in south carolina's midweek against north florida um mcgillis and lee croy they could be in the lineup tomorrow night um so he's looking to he's looking to to get them in there and see how they do wimmer's close mentioned uh next maybe next midweek when he could actually be back in the lineup 
okay, which means he uh, would probably be available this weekend. We should get a uh, Jersey Beck will be evaluated today, and we should know something by tomorrow. Veach had a sore arm, but he felt much better on Sunday. Uh, and uh, Will Tippett's got a little bit of a wrist injury, but he's supposed to be okay. Uh, Noah Hall, not close. Pretty proud of Will Tippett because basically all he could do was bunt, you know, and say so he was up there trying to bunt for a hit, you know, and, and, and laid down some pretty nice bunts. Yeah. Then toward the, toward the, I guess about his third at bat, you know, he had a two strike count and he just almost one handedly swings it <laughs> and gets a single in the outfield. Yeah. I was like, wow. And Tommy and Derek were talking about it. his hand came off the bat that time. I'm like, man, that's, you know, little things like that. Cause I know Will's probably struck. Yeah. You know, he struggled a bit at the plate this year, but seeing him get that hit with a bad wrist was, I thought, one of the but very few highlights of the he weekend. He hit two home runs in his last couple of games. Derek called him a slugger. If it wasn't for his jack last weekend, they get swept by Auburn. He hits yeah. one at Winthrop. I mean, he's been on a tear. But that right there, and luckily we're out of time, so I don't have to go down this road again. But that right there is, once again, while why ESPN and the SEC Network, they, they suck at what they're doing, man. I mean, it's – Put you got to put these guys in the ballpark. You know, yesterday Tom and and uh, and uh, Kyle, Kyle Peterson are trying to figure out why he's button, and they had no idea he had a wrist injury. I don't know. You know, if he was in the ballpark, you might have an SID that can knock on the door and say he's a little banged up. If you want to pass that along to your audience, oh, thanks. Didn't know that. Or maybe they get that information by being on the field before the game, talking to the coaches, which is what you do in media. Unless you're the play-by-play guy at a local school here in Charleston, you don't talk to anybody. But I mean, so I, I, they suck. Like this sucks. It's not fair to the broadcast teams. It's not fair to the fans. It's not fair to the game of baseball. So, you know, did he just time out again? It's just it's just that time of day. <laughs> what 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 happens up there in Chicago? <laughs> Something happens at noon up there in the Central Time Zone that just completely, you know, I don't know, like a light day. Reboot the regional router or something stupid like that. What? I don't get it, man. <laughs> now uh, it just turns. I'm going to leave it there. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> just a big black Now, bleed. Now I want to listen to some uh, some Toby Keith. Mm-hmm. Go West, young man. Haven't you been told? That's back when Toby Keith was one of the real deals in country music. Mm-hmm. That's not too awful long ago. Uh, about 94. Yeah, like I said, that's not too awful long ago. <laughs> <laughs> only, only 30 years. <laughs> Please. The 80s were still just about 15 years ago. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> inside my mind. <laughs> A reminder, this week kicks off our Born to Crow series with Gamecock Athletics in partnership with Michael Haney and his song, Born to Crow. That is in partnership with Langston Moore and Preston Thorne, and they're just a chicken book series as we promote all combined into one. We'll be speaking this week with former Gamecock wide receiver Robert Brooks, former Gamecock track athlete Don Ellerby, and former Gamecock soccer coach Mark Burson. All of them will be joining us on our program, and we surely cannot wait for that. And then we will dip back into some baseball in those segments, and then, uh, down the road you see some of the biggest names you could dream of seeing from Gamecock football and 
So we think you'll really enjoy our Born to Crow series, and uh, we look forward to that a whole bunch. Thanks to JC and Phil always, even for JC only working an hour and 58 minutes. And, of course, thanks to John Whittle uh, for joining us uh, in hour number one. Some great stuff on Carolina baseball. For Phil, I'm JB. We're back tomorrow at 11 right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinorama Studios.